Welcome to Year Full of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. And we're live. Welcome to Year Full of Dirt, everyone. We are back for season two, or not season, excuse me, episode two of season five. Um, in case you weren't here for our first episode of the season two weeks ago, um, Aaron Castro has been fired. Um, or as Craig, Craig, what'd you say last time? Um, we got a we, divorce. We, we had a divorce. <laughs> We've got a younger, handsomer re- replacement, uh, sooner than other. Now you see in the window yeah. to my, my left. But I, but how is everyone this week? I know, I know we we've all gotten different areas. I know I've got I've got snow dumped on me last night. Last night, yeah, we had a we had a nor'easter here over the weekend. Uh, so like twelve inches of snow, and I, you know, I, I, as many of you know, in my day job, I, I cover the electric vehicle industry, and so I have an all electric snowblower because I wanted to be. You know, show solidarity with this uh, the electrification of the economy, and uh, with my freshly charged batteries, I got halfway done of my driveway before the batteries ran out. Uh, so I had to stop snowboarding my driveway and go recharge the batteries, and uh, ended up doing a lot of it by shovel. And ipso facto, I've been quite sore for the last three days because I'm in no kind of shape for that. <laughs> Hopefully your snow turned yeah, out. Yeah, we uh, yeah we had uh, unseasonably warm, above forty here in the Midwest. So a nice little thaw, and then in good Midwest fashion, it is currently three degrees with horrendous winds and freezing everything that melted and turning everything into a skate rink. So yeah, beautiful <laughs> Midwestern weather. Three days before the MLR debut, so perfect. Yeah. Josh, how did uh, you survive the snow? <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see Texas is about to get dumped on too, so we'll see how all those teams survive. Yeah. This is gonna be that this should, I should have put that in my bowl predictions. This is gonna be the first season of just like snow games for the first month and a half all across for the country. For everyone. <laughs> uh let, let's Let's jump into some news. Um, you know, a bunch of coaching changes. Um, Dallas lost their coach to visa issues. Um, Atlanta lost their coach to um, differences with the new owners. What do you guys think so far? Well, I, you know, we were just talking about the importance of coaching on our last episode a couple weeks ago. And I, I'd actually heard right before we went on, but I knew it was not public yet that, that uh, Scott Lawrence was leaving Atlanta. Um that's a devastating loss. I think I, I love Scott Lawrence as a coach. I think he might be my top coach. Well, I guess he's not in the MLR now. Last season, you know, I would have said he was maybe my top coach out there. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be tough for Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta players must be reeling right now. Um, having lost him so close before the season. So uh, I think, yeah, that comes as a shock. Dallas, of course, has never played a game in the MLR. The coach obviously had not arrived in the country. So you would imagine, though I have no firsthand knowledge of this, that that would be less disruptive uh, for them. Uh, obviously, Dallas is going to have their work cut out for them as an expansion team 
anyway, so, you know, just another challenge. That's At least that's my take. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. Uh, the two very contrasting things. Losing Scott Lawrence to an, an Atlanta team who had taken on the identity of their coach and what he'd done in that area previously and all that stuff to um, an expansion team with a coach that's never been there and not really met him. I mean, it, it speaks volumes in two different ways. Like losing Lawrence and obviously with the rumblings of why they lost him is pretty upsetting from my perspective. And then the, this Dallas's continuation of like, not getting their shit together at the right time is like, I don't know. It, it seems like it doesn't bode well, and then they could go on to win a bunch of games, and it doesn't matter. But, yeah, it just seems like one thing after not checking the boxes for them. Are they are they about to pull a Seattle and not yeah, have a coach exactly. for the first? <laughs> the, uh, the, the coach visa cancellation is the uh, kiss of championship for uh, Seattle's first season. <laughs> Um, well, you said the rumblings, Johnny. What uh, are you are you at liberty to say what rumblings you've heard? I, I, I mean, as far as I understand, you know, the, the, the ownership changed. That the the original person who bought the team had, had passed away. His family, uh, as I understand, were not that interested in, in, in remaining the owners. So they they found a new owner, and I'm I'm guessing this. I, I don't know. This is just speculation, but I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, Scott Lawrence was such a a, a college-oriented, USA-oriented coach, and most teams in the league are very uh, foreign player hungry right now. You know, looking for good imports. And I, you know, my guess is the new owners who are, I believe, Irish. Right? I think it's an Irish uh, ownership group. Um, yeah, we're looking to bring in more overseas players and and maybe not pursue the the local college strategy that Scott Lawrence wanted to pursue. At least, I mean, that that seems like the only explanation that could have possibly caused a rift so quickly. Uh, but again, just, just a speculation. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you nailed it. I, I wouldn't even call it speculation at this point. It's pretty, it's pretty, you know, hit on there. Cause yeah, I mean, we'll get into it and I think it'll actually serve them well, honestly, with where I have them picked, but like, you look at Boston, like or New England, you know, whatever it is, like they're a team of entirely almost, you know, outside of the U.S. players and are bringing in guys. And to be fair, they made I think they made some phenomenal moves this offseason to strengthen their team, like inarguably. Right. The guys they brought in are going to make them better. But, yeah, like I, I will never not be forthcoming with my unbreakable bias of wanting an American player's development and growth of the game here to lead to better things for the Eagles, all that things. That That is what I want. That is my hope. Um, and to have a guy like Scott Lawrence who does it so well, quite, I mean, quite honestly, probably the best in the country, in the league by far, hands down, right? Took a team to the, to the finals. And you get rid of them because it doesn't uh, – I don't know. We don't have to – this is not what this episode's about, and I'll probably just go off on a tangent, and I don't want to. But it's just – it's it's disappointing where something's so silly. Like, if you want – like, look at L.A., right? Like, you want your Boston team to be the foreigner 
bring them in, spend the money, drop dimes, East Coast, whatever. Do your thing. Cool. You have a team in Atlanta in the south of the United States, like Marika, and you have Scott Lawrence at the helm to run it for you and build and develop and do all these things. Like, like if you are a businessman, they got bought out by a, you know, a venture capitalist sporting entity. You get to hit both sides of the, of the American model win by any means necessary. Cause we love winners or you're in the South. Be super American and patriotic with a bunch of American kids. Like you would have hit both. And he said, no, we're doing it our way. And he, and he has the connections to life. You know, from his when he was a coach there, and that's obviously a great source of talent. Yeah, obviously it's still Atlanta, so they'll probably still do pretty well recruiting there, but maybe not as well. So I don't know. Yeah, shocking. I, I think I have a strong suspicion Scott Lawrence will land on his feet somewhere with a new coaching job. Uh, he's just too good to to be unemployed. Uh, so let's hope. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to seeing. He'll be fine. My my sadness is not for Scott. I I, I know Scott. Um, you know, surface level of, you know, interaction, right? Yeah, he'll be just fine. <laughs> There's going to be plenty of MLR teams, I hope, that would be highly in the need for a Scott Lawrence and um, at the same time, like a Nate Osborne. Like, they're going to be fine. So, but I just, it's just, it's it's the reason why it happened. It just irks me. Um and yeah, I don't know. I mean, Scott's a good. I don't want to see people get fired from their jobs, like so, or even step away because you can't get along with your new owner. Like, no one wants to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, on to, on to I guess more ex- exciting news. Um, stadium. Let's talk stadiums. We finally found out where New York is going to play in uh, JFK Stadium in Hoboken. <laughs> Craig, you look so. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It's so hard to find places to play in the New York area. I mean, that's a two-hour drive for me, so uh, that's going to be tough for me. Uh, but, you know, it's, I get it. I, I totally get it. Uh, I have a lot of friends who live in Hoboken. They're pumped. They're like, oh, it's so accessible. And in fairness, I mean, when they played Coney Island, that's, like, not accessible to anyone, no matter where you live. Even if you live in Brooklyn, it's not accessible, uh, which is where Coney Island is. So, I mean, I, I get it. It's, it's very, very tough. I liked Belson, uh, which is the St. John's, you know, connected the stadium. They played some of the games at last year. I, yeah, that wasn't going to happen, I guess. Uh, so, is what it is. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to try to get out to as many games as I can. Uh, but, you know, Hoboken is, is a, at least a fun area. So, hopefully they can get I, I I think more teams need to make more of the social aspect of rugby to make this a commercial success. I think part of what's great about rugby is it's so ingrained with social culture, you know, both in the sport, but then there's the after contest social And I think teams really capitalize by incorporating the establishment in New York and they do that because they had to plant such remote areas to find the space. There's not much to do. Coney Island, I mean, yeah, it wasn't even open like for people to go to the bars and Coney Island to it. It's the end that's perceived. Uh, so at least Hoboken, there'll be plenty of social opportunities. Hopefully, we manage to you know, wake some of that with the business crowd to be able John, do you have any thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, is, uh, is Craig, Craig, that was a, a remarkably um, optimistic perspective on what your hometown team has done over these past couple of years with their <laughs> with their playing field nonsense. So that was that was refreshingly optimistic. I'm probably a little more sour on it, um, mostly because the good and the bad of Los Angeles is they've erased everyone else's excuses, right? Like if these dudes can come in in Los Angeles and this this is not a political show and this is not a political statement, but throughout what we've gone through in the past couple of years and you talk about restrictions and this and that and it's tough and it's hard for us and da-da-da-da-da. Los Angeles pulled off playing games in the LA Coliseum, regardless of how many fans were there. <laughs> they pulled off playing games in the Los Angeles Coliseum for an entire rugby season, right? So good, bad, and different, how you feel about the dude in LA and what they do, right? The one positive for us outsiders remarking on the league, it erased everyone else's BS excuses of, well, we just it's hard and there's not enough room and I don't know. And da, da, da. I'm like, nah, man, not anymore. These dudes did it. They did it all season long. You have they nothing to say. Gillisium. The Gillisium. Yeah. <laughs> like they're Go playing ahead. at SoFi. Like this yeah. nonsense of playing at a, at a damn middle school's football stadium or this, that, and the other, like, Right, and I'm saying this as a complete outsider, and it's the benefit of this gig. But I'm like, it, it, you just don't have the excuses. Whatever you would have had to done, do excuse me, do to like play where the Red Bulls play, which I don't know where that is. I'm going to assume it's in New York. No, it's actually even further no. away. Yeah. Even see, okay, so maybe, but like, whatever you would have had to do to play in New York City, or even if you are going to be a New York, New Jersey team, like every other New York franchise is playing a real stadium. You can't play at a middle school rec field. It's, you just yeah. can't do it. And again, I'll be on the side. As long as they're playing, they have a field, right? Leagues. Cool. That, that's great. But it's just, I don't like, you know, I'm a West coaster. Craig, You're a New Yorker. Like the shit talking will never end. Like you want to walk around and act big, big and bad and have a New York swag and put the Statue of Liberty on your jersey and you're playing at a middle school football field with 27 lines, it's just – it's not good enough. It just has to be better for the players, for the fans. It has to be better. And L.A. showed it can be done, so now everyone, that's the standard, which is there good and, go. and annoying for everyone else. <laughs> Bill Gauntlet has been thrown. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming this is not the long-term solution for New York. Uh, so hopefully that, that they can sort something out better for next year. Uh, I, I can't have helped ticket sales either because they announced it, what, like two days ago? I mean, <laughs> it's a right. week. Yeah, two, it's a week before the season. They've been selling tickets to a stadium without telling people where the stadium is. You know, obviously. It's and listen, I'll take any chance I can to throw some shade at New Yorkers and East Coast rugby players. It's just built in my Please DNA. And, yeah, you you take what you get. If you, call, you live in the greatest Concrete city in the world, you got to take right. You got to take you got to take what you get, and it's just like uh, you just I don't know. It's like you can't you can't act like that 
talk shit on social media all the time. And then it's like, and then you come out with this and then you put that product and it's like, all right, you're going to, you're just going to eat shit all season. You just have to take it. But, and, and it's can't me. I'm not, I will say this. This is genuine. I do. I will say this because I think it's valid because I think it's valid in a lot of sports. It, it comes down worse on a team like New York because like everything else, Sport sport entities are better. Sports are better when New York, Los Angeles esque cities, when their teams are good, sport is better. So for a new for a team like New York to have a letdown like this, it's easy to make fun of them, but it's because you're New York. You have a standard to live by. And it's better when you're playing in real stadiums with fans, New York East Coast sports fans. Like that, it, that is real passion, and it's just it, you're, it's being taken away from. So it's better for the league if they get their shit together. It's easy for us to make fun of them, but from a genuine place, it's better for the league. And they got to they got to cut the crap. That's we'll know we've made it when the. Uh... When they're playing at like uh, MetLife Stadium, which is also in New Jersey, but at least you know accessible by train. <laughs> yeah, right. Easily. Um, yeah, I've been on that train. I've been on that train. That's that's yeah. it's forty five minutes on a good day. Yeah, honestly, Hoboken is closer than that, even, but it's just not obviously not as nice of a facility as MetLife Stadium, of course. So off, like off topic, where do the Red Bulls play? They play at Red Bull Stadium in New Jersey. Okay. Yeah, so it's similar. So so the Yankees are the Yankees the only team that play in New York? Uh, Yankees play in the Bronx. Uh, Knicks, Nets Rangers. play in Queens. Okay, uh, I mean, teams play like yeah, you know, the Rangers and Knicks. Madison Square Garden is in Manhattan. Are the Islanders so now, still in New York? The Islanders play in well, they play in UBS Arena, which I think is technically Brooklyn. It is a new uh, a new arena for them. They had played in Long Island for my whole life and then they moved to Brooklyn at a uh, Barclays stadium where the Nets play. Uh, now they moved to a new UBS arena, which I'm not exactly sure where it is. Well, as us, as us non people that don't differentiate between the boroughs, it's just New York. As long as it's somewhere on one of the islands, it's New York. I mean, technically, you know, when they played at Coney Island, that was New York city. Uh, hey. that, was, that was the ed- the far flung edge of Brooklyn, but that was it. Uh, <laughs> All right, some other stadium news. Um, in case you are not a San Diego season ticket holder or you are not a patron of the ML Rug- MLR Rugby subreddit, um, reddit.com slash r slash ML Rugby, if you want to join us. San Diego has found an actual stadium for next season. This year they are playing at the San Diego State Sports Deck, which is the San Diego State um, Soccer Track and Field Complex which is on top of a two-story parking garage. So <laughs> I don't know, if, know how all of us feel about that. But they did announce that they are going to be playing at Snapdragon Stadium next season. So the new it stadium looks, that's being – So you're, you're really just cool. to be clear, Josh, you're saying next season as in the 2023 season. Yes, the yes. 2023 season, the Legion will be playing at Snapdragon Stadium. What is that? Uh, it is a – so um, – what Qualcomm used to be, they tore oh, it down okay. and, they, okay. and they're rebuilt. They're rebuilding, repurposing that area. So there's a thirty-five thousand seat stadium for the college, and then the Legion are going to share with them. So, tell you what, that sports deck is 
It's not going to be great for TV, but it does look really cool. <laughs> that's, that's the best thing I can say. At least there's uh, no more games. It is on a two-story thing like overlooks the ocean. It is pretty cool. It's probably not going to be great for broadcast. I I I brought up the question is how many balls are they going to lose over the edge? Yeah. yeah, that'll be like MOR's next crisis is they're in the middle of a game. They actually run out of game balls. Uh, <laughs> they'll have to like have some, a scuba diver go out there to get them, like the baseballs in the Cubby Cove. Yeah, it'll be uh, cool. Yeah, it'll be fan interaction. Get the kayakers out there shagging balls. Yeah. All right, let's let's talk about – we won't go deep into this, but let's just mention some preseason results from this, this past weekend. Um, and then just let me know if anything stands out to you guys. So we had the LA Guiltinis beating the San Diego Legion 31 to 20, or excuse me, 36 to 21. We had Old Glory beating New England 27 to 22. Houston beat Dallas 29 to 12 in an unadvertised game that no one knew was happening until social media said something. Um, we had Seattle uh, playing the Hartford Harpooners. They beat them 50 to nothing. Um, Austin beat, rug, beat Rugby New Jersey 58 to 7. And then we had Rugby ATL beating NOLA 52 to 21. Any, anything really stand out to you guys? I know New York was having some injury and COVID issues, but outside yeah. of that. Chris Martinez's revenge game uh, <laughs> came in the preseason uh, against New York. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that, that I didn't. That wasn't televised. Was it right? The New York Austin game no. it was just on Twitter. I, I was following it, so none uh, of them were. Yeah, tough to uh, tough to judge. Uh, the score obviously doesn't look good. The other only other score that really stands out to me as surprising is um, it's not really even that surprising. But I guess the next most surprising one would be Atlanta, you know, stoving in Nola. But again, like both teams lost their coaches. I, I, you know, hard to predict how that's going to manifest in the season, and it's preseason, which has not been a reliable predictor of in-season play anyway, historically. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. One, I did not chime in to much. I followed where I could, um, and yeah, I'm probably probably super biased until the league and the league time frames get to a certain point. Like these, the to call these things a pre like a preseason game or match is an incredibly loose definition, having been involved in a couple of them. Um, so yeah, it's hard to look into like any of like I know some were watched and even those sides that they put out were very mixed. Um, so yeah, I don't so, so how big like- so uh, there's not much to look into it. I don't want to be so super dismissive, but it's like they, yeah, they don't matter. So, Especially so, until, like, they they haven't been practicing long enough. Who knows who they put on the field? And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, that, I guess that's what, what I'm going uh, in my head right now is, you know, as we think about, and I know later in the show we're going to talk, talk a little bit of, of you know, longer-term predictions here of the year. But as I think about that, I'm, I can't get away from the thought that if you have a coach returning and you have a lot of players returning – you're not going to have such a learning curve in the first weeks because there isn't really no preseason. There seems to be very little training. 
very little preseason contests. The first four or five weeks are the preseason. We said this last year. I mean, Castro said it all the time. The first four or five weeks basically are the preseason. And if you're a complete yeah. you know, new coach with new style, new players, it's got to be so, such a disadvantage compared to a team that already has that continuity going. So, again, I, I feel like I'm going to keep saying this until I get – Proved completely wrong, you know, the first three weeks of the season. But I just, I'm really short, I'm bearish on teams that have had off-season coach changes, especially close to the start of this season. I'm with with you. All right. So let's move into picks, or we'll just, excuse, let's move into discussion for the week one games. Uh, first up, sat, this Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern on the broadcast will be on the Rugby Network. At Silverbacks Park in Atlanta, we have Old Glory taking on Rugby ATL. What do you guys think? Nice south, you know, nice southeast matchup to start off the season. I like it. Uh, you know, I, I think this. I don't think this will be a walk in the park for ATL, which may be the easy forecast here. Um, I do again think you know with the, the coach change so close to the season is going to be an issue for Rugby ATL. Um, I, I thought Old Glory had a lot of potential last year. They always play great naturally, but as far as I know, um, you know the people that we expect back are all healthy. Like you know, Fonar Schutz is healthy, right? I, I've, I've heard nothing to indicate any of their star players are not going to be available. And I, as you, if anyone read my column this week, um, I'm really excited about Mike Davulos playing uh, this year. Uh, so I think I think Old Glory is going to have a pretty good year. Uh, that said, Atlanta was the runner-up, you know, b- by all accounts, second best team last year. I don't think they'll have fallen off so much, and they are home. So I'm going to actually, I'm still going to pick Atlanta here, uh, but by a narrow margin. I'm going to say Atlanta by three. Uh, what do you got? He's he's really thinking it over. <laughs> yeah, I lose you guys. Sorry. <laughs> you yeah. get a job. Uh, they, they, they froze on me. My apologies. Um, yeah, I, I'm, this one had this one really has me torn because you have a team who just lost their coach, and then you have a team who ha- their coach is is probably uh, one of the hottest seats I think in the league coming into this year. Um, but on the flip side, they are returning a lot of good players. They potentially from some folks that I've spoken with may have made the largest addition by subtraction um, internally to the team. Although most people think on paper, it was really bad to lose Jason Robertson Um, from all accounts that I've heard, that is an addition by subtraction for the culture of that team. Um, I, I don't think I'll go in any further. You can take those words for what they mean, but I, I, I want to say I think them going down there with what's going on in ATL. I think it's a kind of a game Old Glory could steal. I don't think it would be like a long term show of much. I still, I still hold Atlanta in pretty high regards, but um, yeah. Old Glory playing for their coach, a little more continuity. I think they could go down there and steal it, especially early when it's not miserable to play in, on that life turf. All right, so you're picking DC. Yeah, give us. You got to give us your pick. Yeah, DC by what? Oh yeah, yeah, DC. DC with a 
Ooh, man. Uh, four points. All right. Huh? I like I, I always say this every week, but I, I dislike when we all have the same picks, so I'm already happy that we've now had two picks and they're both different. Go ahead, Josh. Be the tiebreaker. <laughs> you know, I, I am the tiebreaker, and unfortunately this is one of those games where I'm I struggle because um, I'm from the D.C. area. My, my dad played rugby in the, in the D.C. area, played for Rocky Gorge. Um, and then I've been a fan of AT- – I was a fan of ATL last year too. Um, I always enjoyed those games between the two teams. Um, you know, it, we you mentioned Scott Lawrence leaving um, preseason. You know, D.C.'s got a couple games in, one against Toronto, one against New England. ATL only had the one. I know we can't really take away preseason or predictions from the preseason, but I, I still think they they do give you a little bit of a hint. Um, you know, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, rugby ATL on this one. They do still have a little bit of continuity. Um, former attack coach Stephen Brett is now the uh, is the head coach officially. Um, I'm gonna go with ATL by five. All right, nice. Next up. At 7 p.m. Eastern, also on the Rugby Network, we have the first Texas Cup match of the year with Dallas taking on Austin in Bold Stadium. Oh yeah, I just realized we gotta we gotta do some sort of pre-show research because I I like the cups and all the local rivalries <laughs> and they, what they name them. There's so many now that I can't remember. Like Old Glory versus Rugby ATL could be like the Cheddar Bowl or something. Like they all have these names. Um, so let's. We gotta, I don't think there's any this week. Though someone in the comments, feel free to jump in if I'm wrong. Uh, but I, I definitely want to. I'm going to keep track of that going forward. So da- Dallas and Austin, a, a Texas bowl, a Lone Star Bowl of some sort here, Lone Star Derby. Um, I am. This like should be an obvious thing to say, but in MLR history, every expansion team has done pretty well. So it almost. There may be some people out there who are thinking Dallas is going to storm onto the scene and do well. I am not one of those people. Um, I think Dallas is going to have an ex- a true expansion team sort of year. Uh, so I think, uh, and I think Austin looks good. I, it, I haven't. I, I I think Austin may compete for uh, the Shield this year. I really. I, I think they're going to be a lot better. I like the culture that's building there. I think they're going to start off with a big win. I'm going to say Austin by 15. Damn, Craig, why are you still my pick? <laughs> but no, I, I I do agree with you. I do like we we all see the expansion teams have had you know a modicum of success, but I also think that's just because you know they were able to get stuff done in the season before. You know they had scrimmages against teams. Uh, we know Toronto was formerly the Ontario Ontario Blues. Um, both New York and New England got scrimmages in against each other before the season. So you know I th- I think and then. Dallas just basically disappeared and is a whole new team. Uh, you know, whole they're new like a negative staff. expansion team. They missed <laughs> their expansion year. They're they're already a year behind. Yeah, so I I think I agree. I think I can go. I'm going Austin by 15 too. Yeah, yeah. This this would be a boring one. I'm right there with you. I mean, Craig, I probably argue with a little bit on um, what designated an expansion team in like those first two, three years, um, but now coming in the way they did, and again, like I'll go back to it, you have the standard bearers over there sitting on the beach in California. You know, they didn't bring in three World Cup starter 
to former almost world rugby player of the year caliber players and then a bunch of other super rugby dudes. They brought in some good players, old prem guys, and a couple of it. They didn't bring in enough to win an MLR championship. Um, so, yeah, I think they, they're going to have some rough, rough lessons this year. But it it does seem like they have a really good culture going down there from some some guys I've talked to, and they're doing things right. I just whatever they have going on with uh, just just getting getting the little finer details right on the administration. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm right there with you. Austin by two tries. So yeah, 14, 15, whatever, whatever you guys pick, just the number, not that. <laughs> uh, third game of the week, uh, another game in Texas, this time kicking off at eight Eastern in Houston at Aviva stadium. We have the Giltinis taking on the Houston Sabercats. John, you want to kick us off? Yeah, again, honestly, one, I'm semi-torn because – and one of my kind of favorite games of the weekend just based off just kind of genuine intrigue, right? You always want to see how defending champs bounce back. Um, you know, I think week one stuff's a little bit overplayed. It's very exciting for everyone else, but um, it's kind of like overdone if it means really anything for your season. Um but very intrigued to see how LA responds. And although I, I don't necessarily like them like clearing house and bringing in, you know, Curry cup West, but still intrigued to see what Houston does going with just, I guess the team mantra of being absolutely ginormous and bigger than everyone else that you play. <laughs> Um, and just seeing how it works. I mean, it's a style of play, and it's a style of play that's been successful if you get it right. So I, I'm interested. I'm, if, I'm interested to see them come at L.A. with just pure, straightforward physicality and what happens. I, I'm, I am interested, but uh, I, I, I want to be wrong, but I'm probably going to take L.A. by 10. Yeah, uh I, I yeah, I'm excited uh, as well for this one. I think this is a, a an interesting matchup that, that might uh, be a good bellwether for the rest of the season for both of these teams. Um, and I do again, if someone read my column, they they see I am generally positive on Texas outside of Dallas and a little negative on Los Angeles again this year. All that said, I don't think week one is when the Sabercats flip the script on L.A. Um, maybe they maybe they give them a run for their money, weaken them a bit, you know, show they're human, and maybe momentum builds a little for them towards the end of the year. So I'm going to still say L.A. win here. Uh, I'm going to say L.A. by four, though. I'm going to make this my stupid upset pick of the week. Absolutely stupid pick, but I'm going to make it. I'm going to say Houston by three. Just, you know, I – LA last year during they had that month in Maui with the whole team. I don't, I haven't seen anything that says they've done it. So I've, I think they're on that normal training schedule. Everyone is, uh, you know, there is some continuity with the coach and that he was there last year, you know, similar players, Kito's back you can absolutely be that player that drags them over the line. Well, no, they got a new coach. They got Hoy- Hoyles this year. I, was he not an assistant coach last year? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. It may be he was an assistant group. He definitely wasn't the head coach. 
No, he, he was their attacks coach. They promoted with him. Yeah. So, you know, there's, they're like similar to Atlanta. The attacks coach is now the, the head coach. Um, but, you know, I, I like, we haven't heard much of, out, out of Houston. Um, they've kind of flown under the radar. Um, I would have liked to have seen, I forget if it was them or Dallas that had a preseason game against NOLA, a uh, split squad game. So, but it still would have been nice to see them play somebody outside of Dallas just so we could learn a little bit more about them and their style of play. But I'm I'm just just that flying under the radar type of team. You know, you don't never know what to expect, and maybe they could pull something out of their hat. So yeah, I'm one saying, of these Houston years. Houston is going to be good. I mean, it's <laughs> bound to happen at some point. Houston are going to have a good year. Could be I think it's going to be this year, but not this week. So game four of the week, the national game of the week, being broadcast on Fox Sports Two at 9 p.m. Eastern. We have the New England Free Jacks taking on Nola Gold. Craig, what do you got? This is a good one for the the national game. Um, get, you know, real tough one to predict. Both teams, new coaches here. Uh, so I'm going to chalk this up to having to travel. You know, a big a big cross country trip for the first game of the of the season. On national TV, probably a lot of nerves. Nola, I think, you know, still you know, had a little bit more success last year to, to rely on. Um, and they, I guess you could say they were promoted from within in a way. Uh, so um, I'm going to say Nola here by six. And so, sorry, Josh, it's in Nola? Did I hear yep. that, right? It's, okay. at, it's at the gold mine. Yeah, I don't I'm, I'm going against me. me and Craig are gonna come out of this either like way ahead of each other or <laughs> one of the one of the two of us is gonna come out of this on top. Um yeah, I I don't know. I early in the season, not a lot of time together, didn't really bring in much to get you excited about. Um they tried to develop from within. Their academy system isn't really what it needs to be. And you have a team that kind of got hosed by discipline in key areas a lot of times last year. And you you promoted from within a coach who is a phenomenal dude, but not known for his discipline in games. Um, although sometimes sometimes you instill do, uh, do as I say, not as I do as a coach, much better than you are as a player. Um, but I'm I'm very high on this New England team this year, so yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Free Jacks. I'll take the Free Jacks by five because I don't think you're getting out of Nola by more than a try. But I do think it is a a double bonus point type of game. A lot of scoring, just like Craig said, a good game for the national game, national televised game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, these these guys do bring a lot of uh, continuity back. I know Nola's made some more changes than New England has. Um, I do I do agree with you, Craig. That that trip is going to have a big factor. You coming coming from the Northeast to the humidity that is Atlanta, or excuse me, that is New Orleans. I can't keep my city straight tonight. Um, I I still think New England's going to walk away with it, though. It may be. I'm going to go closer than John. I'll, I'll say New England wins by uh, convert by two points, wins by conversion. Um, you know, they both teams absolutely have the talent to win this game. 
So it, yeah, the double bonus point will be in effect. That's why it makes the good uh, the good national game. Has, where do we, New England train? Has there been like a field with no snow on the ground in New England somewhere in the last two months? Have they ever have, have, have an indoor? They have, no, they have I, a bubble. They have the bubble, but yeah. I mean, yeah. whatever. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, they've been they've been training in the bubble. They put out pictures the other day. They're in the bubble. That's right. not that's not real. <laughs> <laughs> we did the same thing in Utah. They turned out fine last year. <laughs> Hey, here we go. 48 degrees and no humidity in New Orleans on Saturday. That's going to be a gift coming from Boston. Oh, my God. All right. Game number five on Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern at everybody's favorite parking garage. The Utah Warriors face the San Diego Legion. John, you want to go first on this one? (laughs) Shocking. Um... (laughs) Again, is, uh, if Liam or Castro, these guys would be disclaiming their ways out of these picks. So. Right. Um, probably, if I ranked, I what did I just say? I think the Houston LA is probably my most interested game. This is probably like my third or fourth, mostly because two teams. One coming from a lot of prior success and a really down year. One coming from early success, aggressive dip, back to success. Um, but both incredibly quiet in the offseason. Like, like, I understand the Mananu thing is Mananu. It's it's wonderful. It's great. But Mananu doesn't win you lineouts, and he doesn't win you scrums, and he doesn't defend against malls, and he doesn't do things like that. Things that San Diego struggled just really relentlessly with last year. I mean, if there was an easiest way to attack a team, just maul and line outs against San Diego and you were winning. Um, and I don't like they lost Ferno and I don't think they replaced him or didn't announce it or, or I missed it. And someone can, um, can uh, correct me. And then Utah, same thing. Um, you know, you, you lose Matt Jensen, you lose um, Aston, and, you know, they announced some signings. They got a couple guys in and didn't get a couple, and uh, I probably shouldn't say too much. I'm going to be out there in a couple weeks, so <laughs> keep staying there good graces. But still a team that, that now has a great culture and a winning culture, San Diego team that used to have a great winning culture, but still a team culture going in the right way. I just – this one is tough for me, but I'm gonna because it's first season continuity, all that stuff. I'm probably gonna take Utah. Um, I don't. I wrote a number down. I don't even. I don't like it now that I'm now that I'm talking out loud. Um, I'm I'm gonna take Utah by three. Yeah, I uh, in this case I'm gonna agree with the former Warrior. Uh, I uh, I'm a little nervous about San Diego this year. I just I was you know I was looking through their roster before the show today, and like I feel like all of their strengths are aging players who you know are, are starting to show something. Like how many good seasons is Joe Peterson really going to have left to carry the team the way he's carried them in the first first at least in the first couple of seasons? More, I mean, you know, he plays sixteen games. Yeah. 
hard. I mean, maybe, uh, but right. him and Nate Augsburger, I mean, they, they, they rely on a lot of veteran players. And I think that last year we still had lost, in my opinion, a lot of the spark when they lost a Mikey Teo. Um, and I don't know they replaced that either. I mean, they obviously they struggled in the set piece, but at least in the past, you know, they had Patty Ryan that helped their set piece, but they had a little bit more dynamic attacking. And yes, of course, Manonu is a great player. Chris Robeshaw is a, I'm sure if he can be healthy, he'll be a, a, a very solid contributor. But I don't know. I just, I have a bad vibe coming from San Diego personally. I think they're going to have a tough year. Um, I actually think Utah could have a great year. And just, I'm worried about who their fly half is. Like, I thought Hagen Schulte was doing a great job. Um, he doesn't seem to be back. I don't actually, I literally have no idea who they're playing to start at fly half. Uh, so that could be a problem because Schulte had a great boot. You know, he, he was good. He, he was, I think, under the radar, one of the better fly halves. Um, so that that's my concern for them. But I actually, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite of San Diego. I have a very positive vibe of Utah this year. So. I'm going to say Utah goes on the road to the parking garage, wins by eight. Uh, you know, I, I think San Diego's, you know, made some good changes. They got um, an all-black saying as coach, you know, if, hey, it's not the end-all be-all. But, you know, he he has played for the all-blacks, so that has to count for a little bit of something. Um, you know, they lost – John, you mentioned them losing John, um, Josh Furno. Um, they brought in one of the tallest players in league history and Ben Grant as a six foot nine lock compare, pair him with Ben Mitchell at six, seven at this pretty, pretty big second row. Um, they, they did lose a number of pieces though. Um, they lost Dean Muir, um, Aaron Mitchell, CC Mahoney and Kenny Nasakege all went to Houston. They all went to Houston. So that, that was a pretty big piece. Um, what was that, John? Still, and Solomon being gone is a big yeah. hit to them, the way they play. Went to the Pro D2 in France. Um, they did bring in um, Jason Higgins from Toronto. Uh, Will Hooley is also there um, at fly half. Um, and then they actually got um, Kanoa Lloyd. I know he impressed a lot of people um, a couple seasons ago. He took a couple seasons off to try and make it with the Sevens program in Canada, but he is now back uh, with San Diego. So that is a, a, a boost for them on the outside. Um, you know, same, same issue, same concerns I have as Craig is who's, who's doing the kick. And we saw how, how good Hagen Schulte was last year. Now they, now who, who's going to replace him? Who's going to be that second pivot type of guy? Um, I'm saying San Diego impresses at home. I'm going to go San Diego by two. I know I'm keeping all my scores low except for Austin, but I, I think that's the league's becoming more and more, getting more and more parity. So it's good. I, again, that's the only game we've all picked the same. So I think I'll, this is uh, to pick coming up. I'll, I'll, I'll give my guy Calvin Whiting a shout out. Um, very handy 10 12 for them. And then um, I don't know how much I'm, I'm supposed to say some of this. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I've, by all accounts, I've heard very, very positive things of the young, young little Kiwi fly half they brought in, um, can do, can do some good things. Di- very, very different, very, very different from Hagen. Um, but kind of fits that 
prototypical Utah-esque style of play that people have grown and learned to love from the old Warriors? Uh, Caleb, uh, how do you, how do you pronounce it? McKean, McKenna. Yeah. All right, and yep. then little, I was told I was told a little dark horse kid that no one's ever heard about might make some some impressions, and I was like, "What? Well, can't wait! Can't wait!" All right, final game of the week at everyone's favorite kickoff time, 10 p.m. Eastern on Sunday at Starfire. We have Toronto facing Seattle. <laughs> Sounds like a Seattle kickoff time. <laughs> um. I'll, I'll kick this one off. Um, you know, Toronto's gained some pieces. They've also lost some pieces. They got Kyle Bailey from NOLA. Um, honestly, that's a, one off the top of my head that I can remember. But, you know, I, I still think – I believe they've actually did, – did they not replace their coach as well? Did they make a coaching change or was – I don't like, recall one, but – Maybe it's just one we haven't discussed a lot. Um but you know, I, I still think they're going to. If you replace that guy after what they went through last year, oh my god! Um, I, I still think they're going to be a dangerous squad that competes with anybody, especially you know away from home, the way they've always had to play. Um, you know, in Starfire with Alan Clark making the we we saw the changes that he was able to make in a relatively short amount of time at the end of last season. He's brought in pieces that has have. That fits his play style. I know. I know it was only against non MLR teams, but they they impressed in the preseason. I know Matt Turner is. They brought over Duncan Matthews um, as a potential Matt Turner replacement. He'd been starting for them in the preseason. Everyone's saying he's he's been looking great. Um, Martin Iosefo has been starting. He he's always been someone who's been able to transition between sevens and fifteens really well. So you know that they potentially be a dangerous team. Um, at home at Starfire, sold out with Broccoli Man dancing. Um, I'm gonna say Seattle by seven. By seven. Yeah. All right. Who's who's next, Josh? Coin flip. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, I uh, I thought I was gonna be the only one to take Seattle here, but I'm actually gonna take Seattle. Uh, I like. I, I really like. First of all, I just like Seattle as a as a rugby city. I like Starfire. I think they got a lot of fan support there, and it's always tough to play there. Last year, they played a lot on the road early in the season, if I recall, which was weird because Pacific Northwest doesn't, at least in my perception, doesn't have the same winter problems the Northeast does, maybe to some degree, but not as extreme. So was a little surprised to see how much on the road they were, and I think that put them in a really dark place uh, last year. And I, th- I just like their personnel better this year. They, they had some emerging stars. Uh, Toronto, I think, will be good, too. They're always good. They're just a good – they're like a club team with a long history that's become a professional team. Seems like they haven't missed a beat. Um, but, the, yeah, they, they haven't really um, – they haven't really been able to take that that step to, like, championship caliber uh, in any of the seasons they've played so far, and I don't – See a reason I think that they that would change this year, whereas Seattle obviously has won two shields. Um, I don't know. I I like Seattle here, uh, not by I, I don't know what I forget what you said, Josh, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Seattle ekes it out by two. Okay. John, who you got? Um, yeah. So 
if the Houston was my first and the Warriors are my third, Seattle, the Seattle Toronto is probably my second uh, most intriguing match this weekend. Um, I mean, funny enough, I'm probably biased. All three of those places are where I grew up, uh, where my career started, and where my career ended. So I, I, I will never hide my bias. I wear it on my sleeve, apparently. Um, but obviously, you know, I. I I have a soft spot for the Seattle Seattle rugby community. It's where my career started and took off after college and, um, you know, playing for Seattle PSB and the Saracens and all, all the things I did up there. Um, still a lot of friends up there on that team and involved. And, you know, we got to bring that army team up there and play against them. So that was a lot of fun. And got to through that, got to interact with Clarkie. He was helping out coach a little bit. Um, and I'm I am genuinely excited with kind of what Seattle Seattle brought in. Um, I think they have potentially the most explosive and dangerous center pairing in the league. Um, on the flip side, also maybe the most uh, potential for mistake ridden center pairing in the league. But you know, you play with fire and. Maybe you burn this motherfucker down, or maybe you get burned yourself. So we're going to find out throughout this season. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 I've said this a million times. I just don't think it can be stated enough of what Toronto went through last year to play a rugby season in a hotel for that long and that many weeks. And they're back home, they're comfortable, all that. I, I just. It's almost immeasurable of like what the change could be for those guys. You know what I mean? Um, but having said all that, um, this one, this may be my hardest pick. I didn't even actually put a score, and I just wrote the two names out. I didn't actually pick one. I just drew squiggles around both teams because <laughs> I wouldn't pick. Um, pick a draw. <laughs> you could post it. You could pick a draw. <laughs> Did I just do that just to just to throw a wrench in the picks? Um, that would be that would be an epic first week of picks for you on the show. You <laughs> nail a draw, <laughs> nail a first week draw. Um, uh, I can't do it. I would hate a tie. If anyone s- ever saw my last game against Seattle, they knew I hate a, I hate a tie. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of take a perspective that. I actually roll my eyes at, but I'm just probably copping out and using it as an excuse. And Toronto's opening week, complete cross-country travel, although it's east to west, so it's not kind of the same thing. Um, and I think a, a fire under their ass, a completely new culture, um, and just a lot of disrespect to play for with the Seawolves. Um but uh, yeah, I'm probably more on the Craig side. I'm gonna say, oh my god, Craig, what'd you say? Two? Yeah, I'm gonna take. I'm taking Seattle by by two. I don't even feel if I could do half a point, I'd make it even closer. <laughs> like some fan duel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll say Seattle by one. I don't think. I don't know if I, man. How do you? So all three of us took the four and twelve Sea Wolves. Over the, I guess five and eleven arrows. They weren't that much better last year. Uh, all right. it's a, yeah, it's a wash. Yeah, it's a wash. I, I think they're. I thought it was going to be a real hot take when I took Seattle. So now I'm disappointed in myself. 
I, well, I'll tell you what. If it was opposite, I probably would have took. If they were traveling, I probably would have took Toronto. All right, Starfire the Seawall returns twenty twenty two. All right, let's move into this week's discussion. We all we want to take a little bit every week, talk a little bit more on one one subject. We're not all over the place on multiple subjects. This week's topic: Who is winning? Who's going to win the whole thing? I know this is topic Craig was excited to talk about. Go ahead and kick it off, Craig. Utah. There's my pick. Utah is going to win the Shield this year. Uh, now that I know they have a, a, an undercover Kiwi fly half star, that was the, my biggest concern about their missing piece. Uh, look, I, one, again, they have a, a consistent co- great coaching staff coming back this year. They have a great stadium. They have a great fan base. I mean, we just talked about Starfire, but Utah, you know, it's probably the, the next closest thing to that. Uh, great rugby community. And again, they, they were a playoff team last year. They had the same number of table points as Atlanta who, who ended the year in second. Um, you know, it, it had, you know, Utah beaten LA in the playoffs, which they, you know, they looked like they had the, the capability of doing it the way LA would play at the end of that year. Yeah, they might have been the Shield champion last year. So I don't, it's, I don't think it's that huge of a jump for them the way it, it may feel because they obviously had a, a you know a couple bad they had a bad run in the middle there as as Johnny pointed out earlier. Um, but I, I like what they're doing, and uh, I'm I'm I have more concerns about the other favorites than I do about Utah. I, I think there's more red flags elsewhere. I don't really have see any if now, I'm now. Have given some level of comfort about the fly half situation. I, I now see no real red flags for them. So put me on the record, Utah 2022 Shield champion. On who you got? Um. Well, hey, you know, shout out Utah. Thanks, Craig. They're probably they bring heard. they bring Cullen back for the finals. He can't be on the show that week. Yeah, I, I, I will, I will not. I will not confirm or deny if I ever got a text or a call when they were having visa issues for their second row. Um, so listen, I would, I would love, love for the boys to bring it home. I am probably, it's probably too close to the heart to be too optimistic before I see a couple games and what's going to happen in the set piece. Um, I think one of the most consistent stats that we've ever had is like line out in the MLR. It was, it's like above and beyond anything else. And I remember sitting through this meeting um, with Pitts one time when we were revamping the line out uh, when he first got there. And it was like, it was unit like a 98% of the team with the highest line out efficiency won, like, not even close, no discussion. It was just insane for the, for the league for a while. I, I don't think it's changed. So I'm I'm hesitantly optimistic on them. Uh, I made a funny, bold prediction on Twitter the other day that I think the East wins their first ever Shield. Um, and I, I have no idea why. And I'm just kind of going, this is just a weird gut. Um, but I have Boston, New England winning it all. Um, I think the new coaching staff, the pieces they brought in, their um, 
what they're building on from last year. I don't know why. Maybe, you know, I was, I was had the opportunity to chat with, with them and their coaches and kind of see what they had going on. Um, you know, while I was contemplating becoming an adult and getting a real job or continuing destroying my back and knees, but yeah, I'm going on a gut wild whim and I have to back up my stupid tweet that the East is going to win it. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Boston. I keep saying Boston, but it's new England. So I, whatever. This, I think this is a good time to mention that the reason Liam isn't on the show today is because he's actually standing next to Johnny with a gun to his head. So when we get to the end of this show, you better pick New England. Uh, yeah. So there you go. You've, you've succeeded. Uh, as, as for me, I, I was kind of debating between a couple teams. Um, we all know LA is probably the, the, the favorite, but as far as teams actually going to win, um, it was actually down to um, last year's runner-up ATL, and surprisingly Austin for me. I, I think Austin, you know, they were they were improving. Um, they were in very close games. It wasn't like they were getting blown out. They just you know key mistakes here and there, and I, I think they can fix that. Um, you know, they've they've definitely gotten some new pieces in. Um, you know, they bring Fakosi um, Pifoletti comes over from San Diego. Um, who who else did they get? Will well, he was there? Will McGee was there last year, but you know he he provide he he couldn't provide that spark again. Um, yeah, they, they added a lot of people mid season last year. I feel like like didn't Bryce Campbell come like partway through the season last year? Yeah, well he he was he was there during the season. He was a captain. He was yeah, but for some reason I feel like I feel like it was either him or Gannon. I feel like people were joining midway through. Anyway, sorry, go on. No, you're good. I think you're thinking of were you thinking of Ruben DeHaas? Yeah, Ruben Haas came mid he definitely came mid season. Yeah. Um, Austin <coughs> Austin's an easy team to root for. I don't I don't I have no idea why. I just find them very easy to root for. Where like some teams that like have not been winning consistently, consistently or regularly. I'm like, I don't care. You guys just stop sucking. But Austin's like, you want to root for him? I, I have no idea why. It's because everybody loves a go grony. <laughs> I'm still waiting for these things to come out, man. I'm like, I'm trying well, to get one. Right. Right. So supposedly all of these drinks are is just the Gilchrist fashion version of the drink. So the go grony is just uh, – Supposedly, it's supposed to be a giant version of the drink. It's supposed yes, to be a I giant, they were giant versions. Well, why aren't they yeah. selling them, Ed? Go yeah, go. I still want one. I don't yeah. care what it is. I still want one. Do, do we need to start selling them in those? Cowboy hat. I'll drink it. You know, <laughs> let me have it. Or put, say, no, maybe... put it in a boot. Put it in a cowboy boot, and you carry it around the stadium, and you just chug Negronis out of so you're a cowboy the boot. It's like a rugby tradition mixed yes. with a, a put it in a Negroni in a cowboy boot. That's that. I'm a. I'm a. Freaking! I'm not a marketing guy. That's a home run. <laughs> All right. Other pieces Austin has brought in include, as Craig mentioned earlier, Chris Matina. They also brought in Marco Keefe from Atlanta. Um, That's the one. That was a big one. Yeah, he, he was definitely big. Um, everyone's favorite winger, Julian Dominguez, comes over from NOLA. Another big one. And then Marcel Brocky as well. So they brought in some key pieces. So that that's like, hey, 
an eagle can make an impact. So that that's they brought in some pieces. They made some improvements over the years, and I, I felt like they could continue on that path. Man, so they're going to be rivaling uh, New York for most eagles. So they got <laughs> Deha- I assume he's – oh, no. Uh, Dehaas went to the Saracens. Yeah, Dehaas is the Saracens now. But So they have McGee, Brocky, Campbell – Three Eagles. Am I missing anyone? Uh, and then New York's got well, Fawcett, Brakely, Savetta. I'm missing Utah. Anyone. Utah's got well, not anymore. Utah used to have a ton. Yeah, and New York lost Honko. They got rid of. Them oh all. yeah, Honko went to LA. Completely forgot about that. So all right. all right, I was I thought about Austin too, Josh. They were in my they were in my finalist list as a pick here, but. Uh, uh, I mean, they're, they're in my playoffs for the West, so it's like really once you get in the playoffs, it's anyone's game. Yeah, for sure. I've got them, them, Utah, and LA in the playoffs for sure. Who's your, who's your East then? Atlanta, Toronto, and Boston? Uh, yes, but I, for whatever reason, I can't. I have my New York asterisks right underneath it. Yeah, I've Toronto, Boston, ATL as one, two, three with New York asterisks because I don't if Atlanta doesn't figure it out. And then I don't know why. Maybe I'm scarred or still my my feelings are still hurt because I have Utah as a three seed with the Seattle asterisks for the West. Yeah, Josh, why are you assuming New York not in? Where did you come up with that assumed top three there? It's tough. It, it's hard when you like with the three. I think it makes it so much more difficult because there's so many more variables. Like when it was the when it's two, you just pick two and you kind of go with it. But that third one, man, your your brain kind of just starts churning. You're like, we've seen that. Like how many times have we seen those tables from one to four move? Much less that three four spot. How much that could move in the last three weeks of a season? And you're like, anything could happen. Yeah, I mean the East last year, the 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 table points gap between playoffs and last place was like one game for it was. Yeah, the East was insane. The East was insane last year with how tight that was. That was that was like heartbreaking. Uh, let's move on to questions. I know we all want to get out of here, get to bed, uh, whatnot. <laughs> I'm enjoying this, Josh. It's all right. <laughs> We're gonna rush us out. Hey. I'm just yeah, cool. God, we'll just leave. All right, cool. We can just end it now. We all want to be gone with this crap. All right, go ahead. Give us the questions. So, first question from Life Log Rugby on Twitter. Um, so, there seems to be a number the league wants to achieve and stop expanding at, but um, similar to Major League Soccer, how they, you know, they grew, they started, grew a little bit, stayed there for a while, and then have grown considerably the past couple of years. Um, has there been? You, I for some reason I want to say sixteen, but have you guys heard anything else about where the league might want to stop at for a little bit? Let let the sport grow. I don't I don't know they put an official number. I can't imagine it's thirteen. I'll tell you that. Uh, I have to believe they want at least one more in the near term, so there's even conferences. Uh, I have heard people say sixteen though over the years. Um, so I, I don't know if there's an official position, but I, yeah, it's probably also partly a reflection of other franchises out there with the financial stability to enter and pay the entry fee. Yeah. There's probably a finite amount of those left. I mean, it's not like there's 20 more franchises in the waiting. Uh, so 
you know, it'll, I, I'm guessing, you know, 14 to 16 sounds right to me, depending on how, you know, how available there actually are and, you know, other financially strong units that want to do it. Yeah. I, I've, I've never heard a number be said same. Um, I don't have some of those conversations with those type of decision-making people all the time. I think obviously it's no secret that next year we'll even out at 14, um, which I'm assuming will have some sort of reshuffling between the East and the West because where that team will be located doesn't quite fit into the current <laughs> mold. Um, and, and I mean, I think we could all, you know, um, make our, you know, educated assumptions of the, if we're at 14, what the other two markets probably could be or should be. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think it's a stretch if two more came in, um, uh, you know, this is probably a discussion for a different episode. I, I do think our resources of player quality is, you know, already stretched thin, much less when you, if you add three more teams and whatever the overseas and foreigner rules are going to be and academies and, you know, different episode probably, but, um, I've never heard a number, I, but you know, even even numbers are always nice. So I'm sure a 14, and maybe maybe what they do is they put a stipulation that uh, this is the one thing I could see. This is a hundred percent an assumption, but it, it seems like it'd be smart, right? If we can all just we all know we're going to 14 next year. Maybe they put a stipulation that they won't expand until it's two more, and it be and it's straight to 16 so we're even again and that lets both those markets build and get their finances and all that stuff together and who knows what the buy-in is going to be at that point and kind of do it that way i could maybe see that happening but i don't know what the cap is i guess with 15 they could do three regions you could have like three five team conferences yeah i did i didn't i didn't think of it that way but yeah you, i guess you could because I mean, even with sixteen, then maybe you start going with the four, right? You go east, west, and then you have your uh, some. They're going to come up with the MLR. Bless their heart, will come up with some stupid name to differentiate between a Western Conference and Eastern Conference, but something, right? All right. Next question from Daniel James on Facebook: Which Canadian will have the biggest impact for an American team? Hmm. Which Canadian will have the biggest impact for the American team? Uh, uh, how about uh, DTH in LA, I guess? Ooh, that's yeah. good. That was a good pick. Damn you, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> that almost seemed like the obvious pick, though. That's what makes it good. Burst. Stop whining about it. <laughs> that's what makes it good. <laughs> if we all go, ooh, that's a good pick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh my God, this is probably, this probably lets me know how bad I am with rosters and names of people. Don't uh, worry, John. While you guys were talking, I had to look up all the rosters to pick. <laughs> Can it, this is a great question. I'm legitimately so Josh, if you have someone, you go, it'll give me, let me buy some time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no, I actually have two. Um, going back to my rugby ATL fandom. Um, Matt Heaton, it's always great, um, great ball player. So you know, Canada seems to produce those those ball hawking type of um, loose forwards. Uh, 
Um, him and Michael Smith and San Diego are probably probably two of the more underrated people that you could go after as a as a new as a team. Um. Oh. I'll, well. I guess this is an easy answer too. Um. Mostly just because I like him as a player and as a person. Um. And I can't remember his name because I'm a shitty friend. Uh. The uh, New England's second row. Oh, Josh Larson. Josh Larson. Thank you very much. Oh my god. Yeah, Josh Larson. I mean, easy pick, but I mean, hands down, I think one of the most consistent performers for his position in the league that we have. Um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't think it says much about a Canadian that every time they step on the field, they're going to perform to a level and you, you know, you can rely on them. Um, but yeah, I'll go with Josh Larson. All right. All right. Last question from Nicholas Sarabia. I apologize if I got your name wrong. Another uh, stadium question this time. Um, We'll, we'll go part one, start with the Utah part. I know um, they had announced plans when they announced their club or academy stuff. They were looking at Washington about potentially doing their own stadium. John, have you? I know you, you former Utah player. Have you heard anything more on those fronts? What's going on? Mention. So these are two questions. The Seawolves weren't complaining about Utah Stadium. No, yeah, it's two. I'm making it two separate questions. Okay, I was like, I, what, is, what is Seattle complaining about Utah Stadium that they go there and lose all the time? Like, get a cry about it. Your tur- Seattle's turf sucks too. If that's what they're complaining about, it's like playing on a concrete carpet. That, that I say that probably is starting new beefs here. Starf, listen, I, there's no beef. You ask any single player playing on that Starfire turf will take years off of your life. Oh my god. Um. So yeah, there there's works. Um, it's been announced ish. I've seen plans ish. The business deals are there ish in the most Utah Warrior MLR fashion of what business deals being completed actually means. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, they have been in the works for for a decent amount of time now to have their own facility. Um, a little bit closer to Salt Lake more on the west side um but yeah i mean um the academy is phenomenal it is a great place it's you know one of the most picturesque little beautiful stadiums there is when you get that that pan um over to the east side to the wasatch front um but i think as most teams everyone's goal you know as of right now who i I mean houston is everyone's probably goal to have and operate and own something like that so yeah, it's it's in the works. Um, breaking, give me what the hell's today? Give me two and a half months, and maybe I'll I'll find some info of when breaking ground actually happens and what's going on. Um, I'll see what I can say, but I'm sure I can get an answer. Um, sea Wolves, the same thing. I mean, Starfire's cool. They're very supportive. I mean, I played a game at Starfire when we were still Seattle Saracens, you know, so that relationship has been there for a long time. But again, you know, it's, it's like anything else. I think we all know as grown people, you know, owning is a lot better than renting. And when you can own your own stuff and utilize your own facilities and your own equity into a stadium and the property and the real estate and renting out the field for rugby stuff and, things like that. I think that's the goal for everyone. Um, and 
you know, when you're when you're a franchise owner, when you're a professional sports team owner and you answer to someone else on when and where your team is allowed to practice and where they're allowed to shower and what they're allowed to touch and look at and when they can eat like that. It, it doesn't feel good as an owner. It doesn't feel good as a player when you're just, uh, you know, uh, occupying a space that isn't yours. So, yeah, it makes sense that they're both trying to do that. Every team should. That should be everyone's goal. Yeah, it's terrible when the high school soccer team gets treated with more respect than the professional rugby team. I remember we weren't even allowed to like touch. We weren't even allowed to like look at the weights in one of their weight rooms like the first couple of years. They're like, "Can you guys get your rugby stuff and just just leave us alone with our beautiful <laughs> game of soccer going on?" All right, fair enough. Any last minute thoughts from from either of you? So. Season's here. Next time we all get together, there'll be uh, official matches in the record book we can start discussing. Yeah, I'm just pumped, man. Like I love, like I love watching the Prem. I like watching, you know, URC or whatever it is now. I love Super Rugby, but it has been very, very special over these past couple of years to have like an MLR season to look forward to, and you get excited about it, and you you've got something to root for. So I just, I'm just pumped. The MLR is fun. I mean. Not for nothing, too. It's Six Nations kickoff as well. So I mean, what you know? What better weekend of rugby could you could you ask for? Yeah, but yeah. I think we're all I think we're all looking forward to that. All right, let's get out of here. Um, thank you, everybody. You go for to bed, Josh. Right, relax. Hey, man, I'm good. I, I'm staying up for another four hours because I can't sleep. I'm the only one on the East Coast time zone, aren't I? I think so. Wow, it's late for you. I'm I'm Central, so. I'm, I'm getting close to bedtime. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, if you're listening in the future, thank you as well. Thank you, everybody, for watching. If you watched on Facebook Live, um, you can find us. You can find Earful of Dirt on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Earful of Dirt. Um, thank you, Craig, um, for Craig and John for joining me um, every week. Hopefully, we'll get Liam back next week. Um, thank you all. Um, I can't do these at all and keep them consistent. So thank you, everybody. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com.